The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. Hello, and you're very welcome to this instalment of Inside Story, a podcast series from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. Each week we talk to Irish Times journalists about the background to the stories that they're working on for the print edition or on irishtimes.com. And actually this week, because there's only a day to go to Christmas, we decided to take an overview of some of the big stories of the year as they have unfolded through the eyes of our news editor, Mark Hennessy. Mark joined me to talk about what it is we actually do in the Irish Times newsroom, how we go about our work, and the challenges which journalism faces in the new age of digital media and social media. Mark Hennessy, I know this might seem an obvious question, but what does a news editor do? Uh, a news editor is the meat and the sandwich uh, between reporters who want to get their stories on page one and uh, the editor's office um, having um, uh, wanting the paper to come out in, in a way that reflects what we're trying to do here. Um, so basically, the, the news editor's job is to uh, try and organise lists to very it's managerial, uh, administrative role to a, a degree, ensuring uh, people are, are present to cover markings in the doll or courts or whatever it is, and then also to attempt to, to drive the, the story, to chase after angles, to encourage people to make uh, calls in directions that they may not have already made calls in, um, and to encourage and uh, people on stories when it can be extremely difficult uh, for, for people to, to make progress on, on, on days when they're just not getting anywhere with particular stuff. So it's a, it's, it's a supporter, an encourager, a chivier, a defender sometimes of a the journalists as well? Um, uh, the, the, the crank in the corner, uh, frequently. Um, the person who's being unreasonable, asking for X, Y or Z to be done when people want to finish. Um, all of that. Um, it's uh, it, 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 if it's done well, you, in, you, you encourage people to amplify their own voice. If it's done badly, you get in the way of what they're trying to do. Now, 2016, uh, we weren't short of news in, in 2016. We had some, we had some huge stories uh, and we wouldn't have time to be going through them all here right now. But we wanted to just talk about a few of them because I think we both, we both feel that they, they illustrate the, the range of some of the things that we do in here on a daily, weekly and, and yearly basis. Uh, one was, the, was Kitty Holland's work about, uh, about travellers in Ireland. Well, that was very much following up on the Carrick Mines uh, tragedy um, um, a, a year before in, in fifteen, and you know we did a our kitty did a succession of pieces during the course of the year looking at uh, travellers living in appalling conditions, uh, a particular halting site in Cork, another one in Waterford, elsewhere, uh, problems with the travelling community uh, in Louth with their accommodation there, and these are deeply unpopular stories about a deeply unpopular group in Irish life and nine times out of ten or 99 times out of a, out of a hundred most Irish uh, people uh, in the settled community in peop- including people in here would happily go from one end of the year to the other without having uh, the travelling community in any way and their difficulties in any way put in their face and again and again uh, Kitty um, successfully managed to do that and 
uh, the same uh, with the uh, coverage of the homeless crisis. Um, you know, very detailed, sober um, uh, reporting on the scale of the problem. And it was striking that, uh, you know, we took a lot of criticism at various points about um, not being outraged enough or not being um, opinionated enough at various points. And it isn't our job. Uh, at that level of, of reporting to, to be that. It's our job to disclose, to expose, uh, to detail what the problems are uh, in uh, as accurate a fashion as we can in an attempt to um, ensure that people have the information on which they can make uh, wider judgments. Let, uh, if you don't mind, let's pick that apart a little bit more because we know that we live in a very different world now in newspapers than we did even, even even 10 years ago. And so out there, just outside the door here in the newsroom, there's a huge big electronic board mm. that tells you at any given time what the most popular stories are on the site. And as you say, quite rightly, those, those that good work that, that Kitty did about travellers would tend not to figure on that board, very, very highly yeah. on that board most of the time. Mm. And we accept that as part of, because we choose to do that despite despite that fact, I suppose it's safe yeah. to say, isn't it? Um, and equally then with homelessness, obviously over the last week, the, the Apollo House protest, which is literally only a few mm. feet outside our window there, mm. has sort of escalated that into a way that it has grabbed people's attention in a way it did not seem to have done here, heretofore no. No, while, while we were covering it. No, absolutely. And... I mean, the best of 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 social media uh, is complementary to good, solid journalism. It's not a replacement for it, but it is complementary. The worst of social media uh, is definitely not uh, a replacement for for, for for journalism, and it's nor is it a basis for a functioning society. In fact, what it leads to is a debate that's brutal, it's nasty, it's vicious, it's uninformed, and it gets nobody anywhere. And if you look at something like Home Sweet Home. Um, and regardless of the merits of people, whether people think it's a long-term solution or whatever, I, th- I don't think even the people who are involved are arguing that it's a long-term solution. But it was a very successful example of where social media was brought together with activists which uh, and a, a location and an image and people like Glenn Hansard and you had all the celebrity element that is oftentimes necessary to, to get a voice. And they amplified a message uh, beyond uh, where it would otherwise have gone. Now, what the long-term consequences of that that are going to be are are probably nowhere near what any of the people in, even involved in Home Sweet Home uh, believe it will be. But that's neither here nor there. You know, decent efforts are decent efforts, and they remain decent efforts if even if they don't solve it. And they problem. certainly have an impact on an agenda. And, and they've they had, you know impact. consciousness raising is a misused yeah. term, but they've made yeah. people more Absolutely. aware and more engaged. Yeah, with these. And, and, yeah. And, and 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 perhaps more guilty. Um, but maybe and that's easier to do to, at this to come time back, of year. To come back and to think about um, what the role is of a news editor and news reporters. And I think earlier you, you made this point, but it's worth emphasising the, the difference between having an opinion and expressing an opinion about mm. something and the reality of actually going out and reporting on, on facts. Well, that, I mean, that's the point. I mean, you know, one of the things that people in outside of newspapers uh, fail to understand is that we don't agree with everything we publish. In fact, we disagree with a lot of things that we publish, either in terms of the news pages where we're quoting people that individuals might disagree with, but you quote them because you want a balanced story. Or in the opinion pages, you carry opinions uh, that uh, people wouldn't agree with. But that's, we don't agree with each other. I mean, if you walked around the newsroom here, you wouldn't find a common opinion on anything, including an order at a bar counter, let alone anything else. Um, the, the idea Some people that, think it's a liberal conspiracy in here and we all, we all kind of 
drink at the same ideological trough. You know, I I know that's not a fact, but yeah, you know that's not a fact. And, but. You know, I mean, if, if you look at the, um, uh, uh, the the public image of the place, that it's uh, establishment and that it's South County Dublin, it's this, that, and the other thing. You know, the editor is from uh, is from Waterford, uh, so is the deputy editor. Uh, I'm from North Cork. Um, I have a theory that the whole place is know, run by a monster conspiracy, actually, yeah, you, you know, know, if you go through the senior management. But the, 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 whatever we are, we're not a bunch of Clongo, Clongo's boys, mm-hmm. you know. Um, or girls. Um, uh, so from that point of view, the, the idea that, uh, and I'm not claiming for a moment that uh, the Irish Times gets everything right, and it doesn't by any manner of means. It is one item, uh, one brush on the palette. Uh, it's an, I think it's an important brush. I think it's, it has a role to play uh, in Irish life, uh, which we attempt uh, to do to the best of our ability with all of our failures, and we're uh, more conscious of them uh, than, than anybody uh, outside might be. Um, but nevertheless, in a world where I know people are already sick of this whole uh, uh, talk of post-truth, uh, and I'm sick of it more than anybody else, but it really is striking when you look at social media and you see people broadcasting and sharing stuff that is untrue. And then when you challenge them and point out that it's untrue, people come back and tell uh, things like, well, I liked it, therefore it should be true. Or I thought it was funny and therefore it's true, and therefore it should be circulated. All this kind of stuff um, uh, infects the pool of public debate. And it's one thing in times past where you could have fools like this at a bar counter, and if you didn't want to listen to it, you could walk to the other side and forget about it. Now it's coming into your living room. And it is having serious consequences uh, on public debate in Ireland. And that isn't you know, anybody listening, I'm not saying that social media is is a bad thing. The best of social media is a remarkable amplifier uh, to deal with the issues of uh, uh, and problems in society, both at home and abroad. But the best of social media is a distinct minority. What can be done about it? I don't think, I'm not sure that anything can be done about it. I think at some point, the public at large has to get away from uh, or at least that element of it that's uh, that's active in in, uh, in on social media, talking about MSM and mainstream media, and the idea that there's you know th- this big cabal all moving in the same direction. Um, all, uh, I mean, we had somebody outside our door uh, the other night when one of the lads went out for a cigarette, and uh, he was abused as being part of the Dennis O'Brien media. I mean, we've got filing cabinet after filing cabinet of legal letters from Dennis O'Brien, and yet people have this picture of. Um, uh, the media being uh, uh, influenced uh, or controlled completely um, by Dennis. Um, he controls large elements of it, but he doesn't control the Irish Times. And, and speaking of which, actually, one of the stories uh, I think that, 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 that won awards this year and uh, was very highly read and did figure on that most read board mm. was Peter Murta's very in-depth investigation of some of the issues ar- arising from the conflict between Dennis O'Brien and yeah. the red flag PR And that was, I mean, we'll spare the, 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 re- the, the listener the, the details of the case because it would go on forever. But, you know, d- uh, Peter worked on that over uh, months of week after week after week, uh, day after day, going into the details of that particular investigation, um, how it came about, um, how the uh, the disc ended up in the possession of Dennis O'Brien, uh, what happened to it afterwards, um, uh, went to the Netherlands, uh, went to London, uh, story went to the Caribbean at various points. Uh, you saw the same sort of forensic detail being shown by Colm Keena uh, covering the Panama Papers. Okay, we were part of an international consortium, so 
by no means were we the only uh, paper involved and we benefited from the work of uh, countless uh, journalists uh, elsewhere but uh, Colm worked for months on the detail of of all of that from an Irish point of view showing the links uh, that Irish uh, brass plate operations have with the arms industry around the world and a whole variety of other stories you know detailed boring slogging uh, stuck in front of screens night after night after night uh, going through paperwork and uh, it's like that, that, that movie that came out or the film that came out about the um, uh, the Boston Globe's Spotlight. work Spotlight's work on um, uh, at the church in, in, in Boston and in some ways the most accurate representation of journalism I think that many of us will have seen in our uh, careers that it isn't about uh, deep throat meetings at four o'clock in the morning in, in, in car parks in Washington a la um, stories in the 70s or um, uh, chasing after uh, criminals in high speed car chases that it is about paperwork it's about documents it's about forensic examination and it's about spending endless hours on the telephone talking to people and building up uh, trust uh, with people so that when they do talk to you uh, that they talk to you in a way that's genuinely meaningful and and brings a new insight uh, to the story and we had an example of it in today's paper with Laura Marlowe in uh, Paris, uh, talking to the son of uh, Sophie Toscan de Plantier, 20th anniversary of her killing. Everything has been written about that story over 20 years. The majority of people who will uh, look at, at stories o- about Sophie uh, over the last two or three days would probably have inwardly sighed that they were hearing yet another story. Yet, despite that fact, because she had built up, Lara had built up a relationship uh, and a trust, she got uh, the, the son to talk in a very open and moving and humane uh, way about a story that brought real added value to the reader. In relation to these kind of stories, certainly the Tuscan de Plantier one, but even more so the the Red Flag and Panama Papers one, how much do you feel constrained by the defamation environment in Ireland as opposed to, say, as it exists in the UK, where where, where you worked for several years before Mm. before you were a news editor? I mean, the the defamation laws in Ireland are, are insane and... Uh, they are a serious impediment to good journalism in Ireland Um, and there is an absolutely urgent need for a significant change uh, to be made so that uh, journalists are encouraged to do in-depth work and then to be able to get it over the line and into print. Uh, There is a danger in the current climate because of what we all know is happening with newspaper sales and all the rest of it and the way in which uh, people are migrating elsewhere. Uh, None of that of those changes have to be destructive to journalism as long as the public understand that at some point there has to be an exchange of money. It can only work, good journalism can only work if there is a payment model of some shape or form. And I'm not saying this because we all want to be in work next year. Of course I am. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, if newspapers end up disappearing, the, the people in the business will go off and do other things. You, But what you will have is a gap in society that will not be fully visible to people until it is gone. I'll give you an example from my time in my previous post in London. Uh, the Press Association, a wire agency that would file to us and to every other uh, newspaper on uh, uh, these islands, uh, they lost one third of their court reporters in England 
in the 18 months prior to September 2015. These were people who were working for evening newspapers uh, across England, and forget about Scotland and Wales, just across England, who were doing contracts with the Evening Telegraph in Sheffield or whatever else, and the, the, the local paper closed or it cut back or whatever. So all they were left with was a PA contract, which wasn't enough to keep it in the business. So a third of those people have gone. Now, you and me may be superfluous to requirements in a whole range of things, but the guy covering a court is not superfluous to the society. The guy covering a planning committee at a council is not superfluous. The guy covering a coroner's court is not superfluous. You take those people out of society and the damage that will be caused, it may not be spotted by people uh, immediately, but it will be incredibly destructive. This is an incredibly good time to be corrupt. And it is going to get better for corrupt people to make uh, even more money in, in Ireland and in, across the world. And if people think they've got an oligarchy now and they're worried about the rich uh, globally being too powerful, they have seen nothing yet. Finally, I want to ask you about another huge story for, from an Irish perspective, even though it didn't actually happen in Ireland. But again, you were, you were formerly the London editor, so you were well across this issue, which was the Brexit vote, of course. And, and both how how the Irish Times chose to cover it, the, the, the campaign itself, but also perhaps even more so its aftermath. Yes. I mean, we put a lot of resources into uh, Brexit and we uh, had a, a special section on our website a few months before and which uh, generated a, a very large audience in the UK and globally, not just in Ireland. And I mean, editorially, um, and again, going back to the point I made about the distinction between news and opinion and analysis and everything else, editorially, the Irish Times' position would have been made clear in leader after leader that we thought that Brexit was insane. Having said that, Dennis Staunton and others and Rural McCormack and so many others who, who went to cover it on the ground wrote the story straight. And that was done again and again and again. And uh, in in many ways, that uh, attracted an audience uh, not just uh, an Irish one uh, but uh, an international one and it is the biggest story in of our times and the impact that it's going to have on Northern Ireland where you had the Democratic Unionist Party you know, following an utterly illogical uh, position in the manner in which they did uh, and then trying to um, uh, uh, join with Sinn Féin afterwards to try and deal with the uh, predictable outcomes. This is going to change Irish society in ways that nothing else in foreign policy has done for the last 40 years. And we haven't even begun to investigate uh, and, and to understand the full repercussions. It's a and very what difficult it, story to get a handle on, isn't it? I mean, in, in, the, in the months since the, since the vote took place, because it, well, it, it seems to be impossible to get a handle on, on actually what's really, well, you know, what's yeah, likely to happen over you, the next 12 months, 18 you, months, 24 well, months. Well, you can't get a handle when the people who are supposed to be holding the handle don't know where the handle is, let alone what shape it should be or anything else. Um, I mean, you know, from my previous time uh, in, 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 in Westminster and working out of the Houses of Parliament and knowing people in um, uh, Downing Street. That is an organised... Downing Street is an unusual beast because it, it, it gives this image uh, in a well-run um, a prime ministership of being a graceful swan uh, gliding across the water and there's incredible f uh, paddling and uh, going on underneath and viciousness and backbiting and all the rest of it. Uh, there are times when it isn't a graceful swan and that one of those times is now 
where you saw during the week Helen Bauer, uh, one of the senior comms people in, in number 10, uh, who would be you know, highly respected uh, amongst the, the journalistic class, uh, quitting. Um, the way in which uh, senior business people who I know who have been in there, as one of them said to me afterwards, he said, you know, he said, you've no idea uh, of how bad it is uh, until you, you go in there and you sit down with people and come out and, uh, after a couple of hours and then you realise that the lunatics genuinely have taken over the asylum uh, where people are yet again uh, looking at an issue in Britain through solely British eyes with the sense of superiority that is the most infuriating trait uh, of our English cousins uh, who think that everything uh, is to be decided through their own lights and who are completely unaware of the fact that it isn't all about pound, shillings and pence. I mean, they keep saying we have a, the, the UK is a trade deficit with the EU, ergo the EU has to play ball with us and do whatever we want. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that in a situation where German auto manufacturers go in as they did last week to Angela Merkel and accept reluctantly that there may be an outcome from this deal that will mean that they will sell less uh, cars in the United Kingdom or that they will sell them at a higher price. But they are prepared to go along with or they're unable to impede uh, a deal that they might not like because of wider political issues. And it is incredibly dangerous uh, for us. Um, when we see um, the British behaving in the fashion in which they're behaving with uh, a policy that is almost certainly going to lead to uh, the longer-term breakup of the United Kingdom. Um, at some point, uh, the Scots are going to be put into a position where they will be faced with a black-and-white choice of going either left or right. And the SNP clearly want to run for independence, but yet they can't run for independence and fail a second time. So they have to get their timing right and all of that kind of stuff. But they either stay in an even more sullen mood than they're in or they go. And if they stay in a sullen mood, that's not uh, a recipe for any sort of a functioning uh, community of nations. I mean, in many ways, the the United Kingdom disappeared in September 14 with the... uh, uh, the Scottish referendum, I- even though uh, the referendum, uh, the independence call was beaten. But when you take sentiment out of a relationship, there isn't much left. Finally, Mark, um, this year we had a number, I suppose, of, uh, of sort of landmark events, calendar events, diary events, I suppose, as we as we tend to call them in the newsroom so, sometimes. There are far fewer of those next year, at least far fewer ones that directly impinge on Ireland. We had a general election this year, we had the Brexit mm-hmm. vote, we had the US presidential election. But I, there's a there's a general feeling that largely as a result of the events of 2016, that 2017 looks set to be a pretty turbulent year. It will be. I mean, there's one thing I would, would, would point out to you first. In terms of, of 2016, uh, and it was the resources that we threw at uh, our coverage during the course of, year, of the year, of which we are very proud. Um, there was some really, really good work done and people like Ronan McGreevy uh, very much in, uh, in the forefront of reporting in detail on the, uh, the issues of the time and bringing the, the, the history alive for a new generation. And it is striking that when we were sitting down uh, looking at uh, options for the end of year reviews that we'd almost all forgotten the success of Easter because it had everybody had worried about it that it could you know open fissures in Irish society it was well handled um, government deserves praise credit where credit is due it it worked well uh, it has set a basis for the years ahead 
next year will be, uh, and the Somme uh, commemorations were done well uh, and again reflective of both sides. Um, it did perhaps, it certain, uh, it, not in an official sense, but some of the unofficial uh, reaction perhaps um, it did maybe start to reheat old history and uh, expose some of the, uh, the the less generous elements of Southern nature um, towards. Like well, we didn't look at the Somme in quite the same way. The majority of the people in the Republic didn't look at the Somme in quite the same way as we looked at the Easter Rising commemorations. Yet both are of equal importance in terms of the island. And uh, I mean, the argument could be made that people in the north from the Protestant community are guilty, but they're just guilty in the other direction. And, and that's true too. Um, but, you know, next year you will have the anniversary of, of Passchendaele. Again, something that will mean more up north than down here, even though I think it's probably, at a fair guess, uh, more people from Southern Ireland actually died in it. Um, but we are getting into the more difficult years uh, in, in the subsequent 18, 19, and into the anniversary of of the War of Independence and uh, and later on, that's going to be uh, a far greater challenge uh, for all of us to actually cover and for society as a whole to deal with. Mm, that's brilliant. Thanks very much indeed, Mark, for joining us today. And that's it for this edition of Inside Story. Thanks to our producer, Declan Conlon, and engineer, JJ Vernon. We're always interested to know what you think of this series, so remember you can mail me at hlinehan at irishtimes.com or you can find me on Twitter. Remember also you can find all our shows on irishtimes.com slash podcasts or subscribe via iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast provider is. If you're a subscriber, we do always appreciate it if you take a moment to rate or review the show as it helps to get it out to a wider audience. But until the next time, goodbye. Thanks very much for listening and have a great Christmas.